Hey everybody, one, two, one, two, testy, testy. Microphone works, that's good, okay. So let's do this. Welcome to politics, culture, and some other shit. The, the live stream, it's not a live stream, it's a video. So I'm doing this Monday afternoon. Uh, before we get into it, um, I just want to say thanks to everybody for coming down to the gig yesterday at the American Bar in Belfast. <clears throat> uh, and to Stevie Scullions, uh, aka Melogen, specifically for, or particularly for, for agreeing to support me. Stevie's, as you well, most of you will know, Stevie's a headline act. And a, you know, a filler of rooms in his own, right? You know, so for him to, to agree to, to support me like that, um, it was it was a real honor and a treat for me and i know you guys that were there uh, dug it as well yeah so so it was great and i got to play uh, with my daughter and my cousin laura we got to share the stage for the first time the three of us and the first time with my daughter summer uh, has been on a stage performing uh, musically so that was a real moment, real family sort of magic treat and uh, she did so well, very proud of her, uh, proper daddy proud you know, and uh, which is great and it means she nailed it, she, she really did nail it and uh, we're going to be doing more of those, yeah, so I'm going to be, I'm going to get in touch with Pedro from the bar, well probably today, and try and get another date in the diary, but um, just on that, the rest of you, uh, um, uh, if anybody wants to book me for a solo show, please drop me a line. I want to be doing more of that. I want to be doing... Oh, sorry, just sort my leads out here. Um, obviously, the Bonnevilles is a priority. Always is, always will be. Um, but yeah, if anybody wants to book me doing the solo thing, please drop me a line. Get in touch. Many different ways of doing that. I'm sure you can find me. Uh, and we'll, we'll get it sorted. Yeah, so that's that. That's good. So yeah, so what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the media, little sort of tour of the horizon of uh, the media and where we are and how we get here. At very surface level, just we're not going deep dive into this stuff. Um, um, I was, I was, uh, I was. Uh, I decided to do this topic after because I want to show you. Um, this on the screen here for those of you. Oh yeah, like, share, subscribe. Have to, should I, everybody starts with that. I never. I always get halfway through the fucking video and then remind people that they need, like, share, subscribe. By then, people aren't watching anymore. But <laughs> like, share, subscribe, please do. Yeah, it would be great if you would do that. I really appreciate it. Um, so I got this. I got banned off Twitter. So there we go on the screen. <laughs> look, look at my wee face. Uh, isn't that fucking pathetic? So, thanks for your appeal. You have appealed one tweet. Now, that, I didn't appeal a tweet. I don't know what's happened here. I went on to my Twitter account and it said that I needed to put in an email address to, ver to attach an email address to verify the account or something. I don't know what it was. And I kept putting in this email address and I kept rejecting it. said, this is already attached to an account. I said, yes, I know it is this account. And I was checking my... And, and I actually went and set up just a temporary email address just specifically just to try and do this because I was trying it with 
<clears throat> all the email addresses uh, that I use, my own personal one, and then the one for for the podcast, and um, it wasn't working. It sort of it just sort of stuck. The same thing happened. You know, it was it was sort of frustrating. So I um I uh, I, I don't know I don't know what happened. I think I went to the help, clicked a couple of things, put in the thing, and then this came up. So that was this was me finding out that I've been I've been locked out of my account, right? So it says there, if you'd rather just delete the content, you can cancel your appeal. Now, listen, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not stupid here. I know that this, this isn't. I'm not some huge media figure that's you know being silenced by the man and all the rest of it. Um, but I'm not going to cancel the appeal, not yet. Um. I want to see how what happens here. <laughs> I'm really curious. I just want to see what happens. So I've appealed, and it's a joke. So those of you that are listening, I should have read this out at the beginning. So those of you that are listening, I'm going to read what I tweeted. Every one of these people should be shot out of a cannon into the sun. Now, it's a joke. It's clearly a joke. It's not a fantastic joke. It's not a Mickey Bartlett's, you know, level joke. It's a stupid joke that I made, and it's got me back. So some, I think, what happens is someone has reported it for 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 being violent. But this is such as the world that we live in, isn't it? You can't make a joke. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the video that I that I commented that that, that caused such such massive controversy that everybody's talking about. It. <laughs> right. It's so it's so stupid, isn't it? But yeah, so that's why if you if you if you communicate with me on Twitter, and I know a few of you do, that's why I'm not on Twitter at the minute because I'm banned. I feel quite I feel quite dangerous. I feel like I'm, like I'm a dangerous man, Robin Swan. I'm as dangerous as Van Morrison says Robin Swan is. So I'm going to play you the video. So check this out. I'm but. So the video is from Joe Politics. Joe Politics has been doing some good work, I think, recently. They've been giving platform to lots of left-wing figures and lots of left-wing issues and talking points. Uh, Mick, um, uh, Mick Lynch and Eddie Dempsey and sort of focusing on the, 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 the current wave of strikes and the workers' issues and the cost-of-living crisis and all that sort of stuff. And in a way, to be fair, that lots of other... Uh, organisations are not doing so we'll get into this a little bit so it's about this sort of no way the other sides ever, the, the media kind of other side everything so they give you one side of the story and then they, if there's no spokesperson there then they can't, you always hear them on the BBC especially and it's fucking really really annoying is it will say things like yes, well, of course, if the, if 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 Boris Johnson was here, he would deny that that, that sort of stuff, right? They sort of both sides everything. So, what they say is they, they they're giving you both sides of the argument. But as I'll as I'll demonstrate to you in a moment, uh, uh, after this video anyway, it's not quite as straightforward as that as we know as we know. So here we go. So here's the video from Joe Politics, and as I was going as I was saying. Uh, Joe have been doing good work and they've 
they haven't been both sides and they've just been saying you know the, the cost of living crisis is ridiculous the strikers are right and we're going to and as a consequence they went to uh, hustings a Tory party Tory party hustings the other day and they got locked out of it they weren't allowed in so they stood outside and they talked to people on their way in to get their opinion on the leadership debate and Toryism Tory politics state of the country, etc, etc, all the stuff. Do check this out. Well, I'm a Margaret Thatcher fan, God rest her soul. I'm here to attend the hustings and I want to hear what Liz Truss and Ricky, Rishi Sunak have to say. How long have you been a member? Since I was 18 and I'm 68. 50 years! One will say about Truss with Boris and his lies. Ah, you know what, politicians lie, never answer the questions anyway, everybody knows that. Uh, I'm a Brexiteer, so I was, that was one of the big things. And actually, I think I would prefer Boris to say, Boris Johnson to stay. This woman is a fucking halfwit. The first thing she opened this video with was, I'm a huge, I'm a Margaret Thatcher fan. Well, first of all, you shouldn't be, my, my advice to anyone, including all of us, we shouldn't be a fan of politicians. Politicians are public servants. They're there to do a job. They're not celebrities. That's it's, it's one of the reasons why when you see them going on celebrity fucking ice skating or whatever it is, it makes me boke. They shouldn't be anywhere near these things. They're, they're public servants. They're elected officials. They're there to do the work of the electorate that put them in the, into the office. Right? So if you become a fan of them, you're part of the problem. And this woman, you, she's fucking fire-breathing lunatic, you know, with the look of her. And plus, she's a Tory, so she's obviously not well. Um, so she turns around and she starts with, I'm a Margaret Thatcher fan, and the next thing is, uh, I'm a fan of Brexit. Margaret Thatcher brought the UK into the European Union. It was Margaret Thatcher that did it. Right? I would love to see her reaction if she was challenged with that right now unfortunately the journalist doesn't do that but I suspect I know what it would be it would just be oh but she wouldn't she wouldn't agree with this she wouldn't agree with this version of the European Union she would get us out all that sort of rubbish right so that's on to the video what was the best moment of Boris Johnson's prime ministership I think she wants Boris Johnson back Right now, these people are the people that are going to vote for the next prime minister. You're not getting the vote. I'm not getting the vote. I'm from the north of Ireland. The idea that sorry, I'll I'll get back to this at the end of the video because this is kind of my point of showing this video. So we'll we'll push on. Getting us out of Europe. Dennis out here. Uh, believe it or not, we've come here because uh, we got a wedding tomorrow um, and we turned up and we didn't realise it was on, so, but we joined in and it's great. What a fucking waste of a life. That is a waste of fucking oxygen right there. I'm going to go to a wedding and decided to fucking just rock up at a Tory party hustings. What a fucking barrel of laughs this guy is. Holy shit. Oh. Soon is he can't be trusted with the way he 
left the country in the lurch, just resigned. Mm. Oh, I resigned on principle of Boris being a liar. But no, no, you're resigning from your job. If you dispel a myth about Conservative members or Tory uh, members. That we don't care about people who are less well off, and that's not true. We do. It's just that the way you look after people who are less well off is to make sure there's enough, the economy is good enough. And then you've got money available to look after people who are less well off. Do you think the country is better or worse off than it was when the Conservatives came into government? That's the same, really. Yeah. It changes, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's about the same. I remember the Conservatives when they first came in, when we had Labour's um, winter of discontent and everything. Um, I did vote for... Oh, what's that? He's a cool Tony Blair. No, no, I'm not that old. <laughs> you cheeky. Oh. You, said you, you said you remembered the winter of discontent. I'm yeah, sorry. I remember, yeah, but I was eight years old. Oh, <laughs> um, and what do you think the Tories' yeah, biggest achievement in the last 12 years has been? I'm keeping the economy in straight. It's, it's what do you think the Tories' greatest achievement is this past 12 years? Keeping the economy straight? The economy is fucked. <laughs> Keeping the economy straight. The economy is fucked. They've announced, I heard it was announced this morning that the energy price cap, which needs to be renamed, by the way, that, that, that that's not a price cap. That's the worst named thing in history. It's going to top out at £7,000 a year. For some people, three quarters of the of the of the British state pension is going to go on fuel and heating bills. Three quarters, and so the other quarters pay for food and rent and other necessities. Yeah, and what are the government doing about it? What are these Tories doing about it? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Zero. They know there's a crisis incoming. And it's going to come fast and it's going to come hard. And what are they doing about it? Absolutely nothing. Zero. Current Prime Minister Boris Johnson can't seem to get off holiday. And when he's not on holiday, he's bouncing back and forward to fucking Ukraine to do photo ops with the soon-to-be-deposed President Zelensky. That man is not long for this world, I'm afraid. But anyway, let's get uh, back to it. Well, I'm made pleased actually that Boris Johnson went yesterday to uh, um, to Ukraine um, to lend support there. We've, we've given lots of financial support there. Uh, and of course, all these latest problems, or most of them certainly, arise from the Russian invasion. Yeah, I think... Ah! Most of these problems arise from the Russian invasion? What the f- fuck is this lunatic talking about? He's going to vote for the Prime Minister and you're not. And neither am I. Look at this fucking dog-eared fucking clown. I'm keeping the economy being straight. It's, it's, well, I'm very pleased actually. Boris Johnson went yesterday to, uh, um, to Ukraine um, to lend support there. We've, we've given lots of financial support there. Uh, and of course, all these latest the problems, or most of them certainly, arise from the Russian invasion. What the fuck? Right, I think, you know, would Labour do any better? Would the what Lib the do any- fuck? All these problems arise from the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Let's, wait, let's lay it out. What are the problems you're talking about? Maybe he's talking about the fuel crisis that's, that's 
happening in Europe. Now, Britain doesn't suffer, uh, sorry, Britain doesn't uh, get its gas supplies from Russia. Britain is, is is almost sort of independent of of that. It is independent of that, and it's got its own it's got its own uh, gas and oil sort of sec- it's it's secure, but the prices are going up through the roof anyway. So they've got their own gas, and the prices are still going up because of the greed of the companies. That's it. Because of the failure of government to regulate effectively to stop these greedy bastards from. Charging people so much money for basic life necessities that they might die? Seriously, this is where we are. This is not nothing to do with Russia. Nothing to do with Ukraine. The European Union, that's a different story. That's a different matter. They have cut their noses off despite the face. If you want to stop, I said this right from the very start, if you want to stop Importing Russian gas, Russian products, that's fine, by all means, have at it. But you can't turn around and cut off twenty to forty percent of your of your security your your fuel security, your energy security, without having an effective replacement ready to go. Because that energy fuels your economy, it runs your factories, puts you know. It, it, it runs uh, uh, like energy pl- electricity plants it runs uh, the, 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 the gas the gas the oil obviously runs your your, your transport system etc etc the oil runs your, uh, is part of your manufacturing so you can't turn around and take 30, 20 to 40 percent of that away overnight without having an effective replacement ready to go. And that's why I think the European Union is seriously in danger of making itself defunct over this issue because they have shown such pathetic leadership of their people. They've shown that they're just a clan state to the US. They're prepared to do anything the US says, no matter how dumb it is, no matter how self-harming it is. And again... Again, I'm not talking about the rights and wrongs of the, U- of, of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We know shouldn't happen. It depends where you're going to start the clock from. You know, Minsk agreements and all this sort of stuff. And there's, I'm not getting into that. Let's take it from the day when Russia invaded and, and, and everyone decided to put sanctions on Russia and stop importing Russian products. That your economy needs to effective, effectively function and you don't have an alternative in place it is it is really mind blowing it's blown me away I can't believe they did it and they've shown themselves to be weak and they've shown themselves to be nothing more than another client state of the US war machine and that's it and we'll get into it in another video we'll talk about this later on uh, another time, Russia's getting the last laugh. Russia's not. This isn't. This is not going the way people thought it was going to go. They thought Russia was going to roll over and get its belly tickled. I don't know why they thought that. I don't know where they got that. Where in history they've ever seen that happen with Russia? But there we go. This is what we're talking about. So back to the video. Let's do this. Better.
I don't, I don't think so. If you were Prime Minister for the day, what's the first thing you would do? I'd resign! <laughs> I would give all the less well-off people £1,000. In fact, I'd give everybody £1,000, but I'd increase taxes so that the people who could afford it would then get that... Pay back that £1,000 effectively. I wouldn't promise anything. I couldn't uh, keep the promise of. I think I would just take my time. You can't do it all in one day. Nothing can happen in one day. I would just take my time, think it through, get the best cabinet you can have and go forward. Don't look back. If you give a man loads of fish, he'd eat for a day. You give him a fishing rod, teach him how to fish, he'd be eating fish forever. So I'd rather... I mean, seriously, I, 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 I don't understand how we're in the state we're in. I, I, I genuinely don't. Give a man a fish. He didn't. He fucking mangled the fucking the, the actual saying. Give a man, give a man a fish. He eats for a day. Give teach him how to fish, and he'll eat for a lifetime. Is what this fucking tool is trying to say. For the help was long, um, long running help. So I would just lower taxes and make people have more money in their pockets. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. it, really. Good. Okay, there we go. Fuck me. What a bunch of fucking ghouls. What a bunch of fucking ghouls. Isn't that staggering? So, uh, give a man a fish, or teach him how to fish, or, or something. Whatever, right? Margaret Thatcher uh, is 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 our hero, and she took the, the worst, the best thing they did. The, the Tory party have done is Brexit. Margaret Thatcher, despite Margaret Thatcher bringing the United Kingdom into the European Union, she was a European, and everything is Vladimir Putin's fault. Okay. Good, good. These people, so get them a point about this. These people are getting the vote. And there's what happened to me. By the way, I never even get the comment. So every one of these people should be shot out of a cannon into the sun. So that was my comment, right? And now I've got banned from Twitter. Like I said, I'm not going to appeal it just yet. I want to see what happens. I'm kind of curious. Although I do miss my Twitter account, but we'll get there. But... These people are going to be choosing the next Prime Minister, which unfortunately, well, it doesn't matter who it's going to be. It's going to be a fucking Tory, so it's going to be shit. Uh, you don't get to choose and I don't get to choose, not unless there's Tories watching this, which I seriously doubt. But this is the thing as well, because we're from the north of Ireland here. We don't get to choose anyway. We don't live in a democracy. And I never hear people talking about that. And it, it kind of, it's one of those things Uh, it always annoys me. It always gets on my nerves when people, when you see the the the, the Western political class, the West, the West in general, run around the world in the name of democracy. We're going to, and we don't have democracy here in the North of Ireland. We're 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 a component part of the United Kingdom, and we don't live in a democracy. Nothing to do with Stormont being collapsed at the minute. In general, we don't live in a democracy. The version of democracy is not, not one man, one vote. I voted to leave or to stay in, 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 the, in the European Union, which, 
God forbid the Brexiteers should prove right over time. But anyway, so there we go. So that's that. Um, yeah, so I stand over my I stand over my comment. Every one of these people should be shot out of a cannon into the sun. And for the Twitter censors, that's just a joke. As far as I'm aware, we don't have this technology just yet. As far as I know. Please tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, so there we go. So, staying on the media theme, right? So, I wonder should I do... I'll do... I am Fox San Antonio's Ooh. Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Jesus, that was loud, wasn't it? Let me pull that down, sorry. American news anchors are really aggressive, aren't they? Look at that lovely, lovely female screech. Ugh. And then, uh, so let's try this. So this is a video. I found this on... Oh, no, sorry, before we do that, let me go oh, the Margaret Thatcher fan. Oh, oh, go away, we've had enough of you. Let me show you the browser here. Um, yeah, so under the, the comments, under the video. There we go. Yeah. Well, what's happened here? It's going all funny. Let me get that straightened up for you. Um, going to read some of the comments under the Twitter video for the politics, Joe. So there it is. So... Even the lady who is a lifelong conservative can't think that 12 years of Tory government has made the country better. Yeah. The lady who says she was a Margaret Thatcher fan forgets that Thatcher was a key architect of the single market when she says she's a Brexiteer. And then Alex, I'm going to finish with him. He's got a Portsmouth FC badge under his thing here. He says, I'm not a big fan of swimming, but if I had to choose my favourite stroke, it would have to be Margaret Thatcher's. Ooh. I wonder if you're going to get banned for that. So, there we go. Anyway, so on to the thing. This is a video I got from Reddit. I'll just queue up the Reddit page here. Why let's... Why we do this? Okay. Yeah, I'll need to make some adjustments on that. So this is a video. Let me just... I am Fox oh. San Antonio's Jessica Headley. Yeah. Now, what happened in the 90s in America? There used to be, I don't know the number exactly, but many men, like 50 or, or hundreds of companies that owned all the media channels, you see, and that includes the newspapers. So you've got your local TV outputs, you've got your big national broadcasters, of course, but you've got local territories and they've all got their own thing. And there was an... There was a an act, a bill passed by you know, the U.S. government back in the day. This is way way back before the nineties. I can't remember. It's on the tip of my tongue. I know the, I know the name of it, but I can't remember. But what it did was it stopped anyone buying up any more than a certain number of media channels in certain territories, right? So you were only allowed to own a newspaper and a TV channel and a billboard, so many billboard sites and so many radio stations and so, so right? So there, it, it was it was designed 
for two reasons. One, to stop monopolization of a marketplace, right? Which capitalism, as we know, always does. It, if, if it's unregulated, it will monopolize. That's what happens. Everyone keeps banning everybody out until you're left with one. Then you have market capture, and the danger of a monopoly is that you can charge and do what you like, right? As we've seen with these price ca- uh, um, the the fuel prices in the United Kingdom. Uh, so, because fuel is a natural monopoly. So, but anyway, so it was to prevent a monopoly happening and it was also for another reason, uh, the, the, the danger of a monopolized media landscape is that you have got complete capture of the message machine. So then you're allowing, you're opening your your media play, your your media landscape open to manipulation. It, it it will then be open to manipulation. So, for example, in the United Kingdom, for example, and in Ireland, a couple of individuals own all the newspapers. Now, what sort of individuals are these? These are billionaires often foreign billionaires and they have managed to over the course of a couple of, of decades managed to turn I think and not just me and I don't think it's it's up for debate they've managed to turn the working class against themselves so when you see people not supporting strikes and things like that where are they getting these messages where are they getting these talking points from they're getting hammered down from edit- editors that are in place to filter a message out into the media landscape that is promoting uh, a message of the oligarchy, of the billionaire class. Yeah, so that's the danger. So it's so. What you have to do is you have to regulate to stop that, and. Uh, in the 90s, Bill Clinton signed an act and that was overturned. And as a consequence now, instead of having hundreds, having hundreds of companies owning all the news stations, newspapers, radio stations, etc., television stations, etc., you've got six. Okay? They own everything. You see them here. Clearwater, you know, in Ireland here in the north, you see on the billboards, the um, in the sides of buildings, the posters. Look under it says Clearwater. That's one of these companies. They own everything. So, uh, so check this little video out. It's kind of dystopian. It's kind of dystopian. So check it out. Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned So, those of you that are listening to this, you won't see it, but on the screen right now, all these voices that you're hearing are all the different media, or are all different media uh, TV news stations. These are like the anchors, like the anchor man type. It is very anchor manly, isn't it? And uh, they're reading from the same script, but they're all over. So there's Fox sixty six and ABC fifteen, Fox twenty nine, whatever this one. Don't know what these logos. News nine, CBS, right? 
but they're all reading, they're all different companies, but they're all reading the same script. Now you can't do that. If there's hundreds of companies own all of these, but if there's only six, you can do that. This comes from central casting. This is coming down. Get them all to read this. Check and they read it, and this and some clever bastard put this all together. It gets worse. Check it out. <laughs> Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news, news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same stories without checking facts first. Unfortunately, some members of the media. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. Right. This, is this is extremely dangerous to, to a democracy. What they're doing is extremely dangerous to a democracy. They're a hundred percent there. Extremely dangerous to our democracy. This is 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 extremely dangerous to our democracy. I am Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan. There we go. How about that? Isn't that fucking horrific? So all these hundreds of news channels were obviously given the same script and told, right, you need to do this little ident on your next news broadcast. And they all fucking did it. And they all read it all out exactly the same. And they're all different companies. But they all read the same thing. Where did that come from? So, under the... Let's get to the... I found that on... I've, I've seen that before. I have seen that before. Um, but... Under the... there's Yeah, there's it there. I'll just... Squash this down a wee bit on the screen. So it doesn't... Uh, so give me a wee sec... There we go. That's a bit tidier. There we go. That's a bit tidier. So, under the the video on Reddit, six, there we go. Six companies control 90% of the news on TV. That's how this happens. And somebody asked, this is why I quit watching TV news years ago. And it's why I don't watch it anymore either. Although, obviously, the United Kingdom has its own issues. Not this. We don't have all these independent, in air quotes, news companies. Um... Uh, but we do have our own issues. I'm not going to get to that. That's the next bit about the BBC. Uh, propaganda didn't die in World War Two. Mm -hmm. uh, most news sources get their stories, and even Spooky Chan says most news sources get their stories and even whole scripts from the same or similar sources only changing out a few things before airing the story. So you see a lot of that as well. They'll do basically the same story and the wording but slightly different. And they get it from, like, so they'll they'll go to like AP, which is Associated Press, and they'll go, oh, we'll do this story, we'll do that story. But the, see, 
this is the problem. If you have only a few companies, so you've got only a few companies owning all the, the news stations, right? But then you also have only a few companies providing the news and the sort and and the, and the stories, so the Associated Press and writers and all this sort of stuff. So let's say you're in a nefarious government and you want to control the media narrative. All you have to do is control writers or control AP. So how do you do that by planting your own CIA? That's what they do. They go in and they like the CIA is all over MSNBC and Facebook and Google. If that's not a conspiracy theory, that's fact. There, the, 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 there's so many top executives come straight from CIA. So they're controlling. Now, have they left the CIA or are they still working for the CIA? And then as Noam Chomsky points out to Andrew Marr, when Andrew Marr kicks back at him, pushes back and he says, do you think I'm, I'm uh, controlled or I'm not... Uh, uh, given my full my, uh, my, my full point for fear of, of being censored or do you think I'm censoring myself and and Chomsky says no he says you wouldn't have I don't think you are censoring yourself I think you believe what you're saying the problem is you wouldn't have this job unless you did and that's the problem right so there's so many ways to control how the final product gets onto the television screen Uh there we go. So they get so senior beef says they get factual information from stuff like the routers or AP newsfeed, but that's not what this is. This is editorial content. There's a message behind it, an attempt to manipulate. The whole way the Sinclair operates is that they want to create propaganda to change the public discourse, but they don't want to be easily identifiable propaganda network like Fox News. They buy up hundreds of local news stations and then tell them what to say. And people are under the impression that they're watching it from the <clears throat> independent local news and not listening to a script from a giant media conglomerate. That's right. Sorry, I've got the, I've picked that up wrong. That's right. All these companies are owned by Sinclair. All these news channels are owned by Sinclair. So that's why they were able to get them all to read from the same script. That's what that was. So yeah, I remember that now. So yeah, staggering, isn't it? So yeah, beyond belief. Wow, just fucking mind blowing. So let's move on to the next little bit. So Emily Mattis is a BBC, ex BBC anchor, you could say, for the used to be highly respected, certainly not respected much in the McGibbon household these days, uh, Newsnight. And it's been accused in recent times of being infiltrated by conservative types. And there's no way it hasn't been. It fucking has been. So check this little video out. So recently she she was at a she was at a conference in Edinburgh and she gave a like a, a keynote speech thing and she called them out. She didn't call them out when she was there, but she called them out after the fact. Still welcomed, but a little late. Check it out. We merely picked up the story the day after the Cummings Rose Garden press conference. And our intro stated bluntly and baldly that he'd broken the rules. And it asked why the government, Boris Johnson, was standing by him. The introduction set out, as is often the case, the rest of the show. We had 
Conservative MPs explaining the PM's loyalty. We had pollsters explaining the public horror on that issue. We had defenders, we had critics, and we had a detailed analysis of which rules had been broken and when. And on the night itself, the programme passed off with a few pleasant texts from BBC editors and, frankly, little else. It was only the next morning that the wheels fell off. A phone call of complaint was made from Downing Street to the BBC News management. This, for context, is not unusual. It wasn't unusual in the Blair days, far from it, in the Brown days, in the Cameron days. What I'm saying is, it is pretty normal for government spin doctors to vocalise their displeasure with journalists. What was not foreseen was the speed with which the BBC sought to pacify the complainant. Within hours, a very public apology was made. The programme was accused of a failure of impartiality. The recording disappeared from the iPlayer and there were paparazzi outside my front door. Do you remember this? I do. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not standing here trying to pretend our intro was the Gettysburg Address. When I hear it now, honestly, I think it was a bit long-winded, wordy, sounded a bit peaked. But I don't think, wow, what a shocking breach of impartiality because we called out the actions of one of the chief architects of the COVID laws. We show our impartiality when we report without fear or favour, when we're not scared to hold power to account, even when it feels uncomfortable to do so, when we understand that if we've covered rule-breaking by a Scottish chief medical officer or an English government scientist, then journalistic rigour should be applied to those who make policy within number 10. The one person, ironically, who understood this was Dominic Cummings himself who texted me that very evening to offer his wry support. So back to the speed of response. <laughs> Weird, right? <laughs> Why had the BBC immediately and publicly sought to confirm the government spokesman's opinion without any kind of due process? It makes no sense for an organisation that is admirably, famously rigorous about procedure unless it was perhaps sending a message of reassurance directly to the government itself. Mm. Put this in the context of the BBC board, where another active agent of the Conservative Party, a former Downing Street spin doctor and former advisor to BBC rival GB News now sits, acting as the arbiter of BBC impartiality. According to the Financial Times, he's attempted to block here? the appointment of journalists he considers damaging to government relations, provoking Labour's deputy leader, among others, to call it Tory cronyism at the heart of the BBC. We, journalists, management teams, organisations, are primed to back down, even apologise, to prove how journalistically fair we are being. Mm. And that can then be exploited by those crying bias if it suits those in power to shut us up or down, they can. Critically, it is lose-lose for the audience. Boom, there we go. She nails it. You know, and then there's this article here. This is the, the, the 
Guardian article. Emily Matlas has said a BBC board member is an active agent, you just heard her say it, of the Conservative Party who is shaping the broadcaster's news output by acting as the arbiter of BBC impartiality. The former Newsnet presenter highlighted the role of Sir Robbie Gibb, who previously worked as Theresa May's Director of Communications and helped to found the right-wing GB news channel. Now, if you think, as these people argue, whenever they argue against us, Or when they argue, saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with this, you've been paranoid, he's, he's, he may be a conservative, but he's going to be fair, right? Now, if you, think, if, you, if you use that argument as an argument, and many do, that's the only way they argue against this. There's no other arguments coming in support of this that are any different from that. That's what we're hearing. And if you, you, if you think that's okay, then you would think it's okay to have the former editor, editor of the Morning Star, the, the, the English socialist newspaper, as the head of the BBC uh, news output, or the head of BBC's impartiality. If this is okay, then the other has to be okay too. And not only that, you would have to agree that it's okay to have the head of the Morning Star in charge of BBC impartiality when there's a Labour government under someone like Jeremy Corbyn leading the country. These two things are exactly the same. One would never, but except for this one thing, one important dif- difference, one would never happen. And one is happening right now. Right? So, last year he was appointed to the BBC's board by Boris Johnson's government and he has since influenced a series of ongoing reviews of the broadcaster's editorial output. Matlas also raised concerns about the BBC's relationship with the Conservative Party, saying the broadcaster went out of its way to pacify Downing Street after she criticised. Dominic Cummings for his breach of lockdown rules. The presenter said the corporation's bosses panicked after Matlas told Newsnight viewers in 2020 that Boris Johnson's former aide had broken the rules and the country can see that. It's shocked the government cannot. So, there we go. And then just on. So, there's that, right? Now, I'm going to give you an example of What, what, what am I going to say about this? What am I going to call this? Let's say two different ways that the BBC presents political figures and how it is influencing people's opinion of those political figures. Right? So it claims to be unbiased, famously unbiased. They, this is the claim that they make. I wouldn't, for a very long time, I wouldn't. You can't have, even someone like Andrew Neil is, was on the, was the anchor for Newsnight for, for years. Ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. So, here's Jeremy Corbyn being presented on an article where he for an article, and by the way, that is Emily Matlas in front of that picture, where Jeremy Corbyn has been photoshopped wearing uh, what's often referred to as a Soviet-style hat in front of the Kremlin. Right? So, that was... um,
that was that that controversy happened in what year was that? Twenty eighteen. BBC deny deny Photoshop and Jeremy Corbyn's had to make him appear, appear more Lenin esque. The BBC have strongly denied. They photoshopped Jeremy Corbyn's hat during a segment of after discussing the response to the Salisbury nerve agent attack. Remember that? Supporters of the Labour leader claimed that his image had been altered on the back. I mean, Jesus, it's, I mean, are you fucking blind? I mean, there's, it's right there. Of course, you don't. It's not a conspiracy to claim that they're trying to make him look a, a wee bit more Soviet. <laughs> I mean, look at him. Look at his wee face. He looks like he's a member of the fucking CCP, right? Uh, Owen Jones says at, on on the on the program the next night. The media framing has been a disgrace, and I have to say that it includes your own program. Yesterday, the backdrop, the background of your program had Jeremy Corbyn dressed up against a Kremlin skyline dressed up as a Soviet stooge. You even photoshopped his hat to make it look more Russian. People should complain to the BBC about that sort of thing. However, responding to the accusations on Twitter, the BBC vehemently denied altering the photo and pointed out they frequently reused backdrops and pointing out that they had used the same one alongside an image of Defence Secretary Gavin Williamson in recent days, but they didn't put a fucking Soviet hat on him. The photo was not altered. We often recycle bollocks. The programme's editing... Acting editor Jess Brammer, Brammer also waited into the right with an explanation of the behind-the-scenes photo edit and process to try and quell concerns. I don't, I actually don't care what you have to say. Um, actually, I'm, I am going to read what you had to say. Our excellent graphics team explained the image has had the contrast increased, but the color treated the usual treatment for screen graphics, as they need more contrast to work through the screens. If you look, you can see it's the same hat in silhouette. Owen Jones fired back saying the image had been designed to make, of course, it had. Um, Labour MP Laura Pidcock, it might not seem huge that BBC News Night photoshopped Jeremy Corbyn to make him look more Russian, but in the broader context of media smearing of the Labour leader, it becomes pretty unacceptable. Okay, so on and so forth. Uh, right so on that how do they do how do they portray people like Rishi Sunak like this and there's a picture there for people listening to this Rishi Sunak is a cartoon of him being portrayed as Superman and here is the article uh, from the National Scot, the National Scotland, should say the National in Scotland, the National Newspaper in Scotland, and there's sir, you can see it on the screen. The BBC slam for portraying Rishi Sunak as Superman, so they portray Jeremy Corbyn as Soviet, and they portray Rishi Sunak as a Superman. The BBC has come under intense fire after sharing a video about Rishi Sunak's plan to save the country's economy, which depicts Tory Chancellor as Superman. The video shared earlier this afternoon on the BBC News Twitter account looks to answer the question of whether Sunak's superpowers will be enough to nurse us back to rude health after the crippling blow delivered by the coronavirus. 
Soon it can be seen as red cape handing out furlough wages to a line of grey people as a voiceover explains how the UK government has paid the wages of 11 million people throughout the crisis. So on so forth. Evan on Twitter says, I have to read these from these webs, these newspapers because I'm not allowed to read my Twitters. Because <laughs> I'm fucking banned. Not even the dumbest caricature of the North Korean state media is as cringe-inducingly servile as this. Uh, John Smith, son of Harry Leslie Smith, on Twitter says, when the phrase hand and glove springs to mind. And there's there. There's three pictures there. Mr. Sunak has a superpower to give us all grey, nobody's, nobody plebs money. It is, and I did find that bit interesting that the, the people he was giving the money to were portrayed as grey plebeians. Embarrassing, fawning coverage. This is the intersection of two of the BBC's biggest ills. Ridiculous levels of dumbing down and acting as a PR wing of the Conservative Party. And I think that's it in a fucking nutshell. Malaki Lucky says, This is bare propaganda illustrating Rishi Sunak as a superhero of stories of mass redundancies and venue closures pour in. It's disgusting. And you have to place it in the context of the time and what was going on at the time. Uh, venues were closing down, pubs were closing down, we were getting deeper and deeper into lockdown, and then... Now, if you think this is appropriate to portray a government minister like this on the state national broadcast, and you, let's not... You know, people get branded as Russian state affiliate, even China state affiliate, even though they're not. This is British. This is the British state media. The BBC is that. It claims impartiality. It it is not impartial. Uh, so if you think that this is acceptable, well, more fool you. I think you're. I think you're pure wrong there. And uh, yeah. So there we go. So that. So to 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 conclude, the dangerous state of the, our media landscape. Once you get your people in place, once you've monopolised the news stations, the radio stations, the television, or the, the the newspapers, uh, radio stations, etc., you've monopolised those. You, it's going to be easier to control the narrative, and then you're going to be able to do things like what invade other countries, right? Do horrible things abroad, all with the support. And the recent one that springs to mind, which is obviously quite. Is, is still ongoing is the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the way at which the United States was able to I, I, I say this all the time in this podcast I cannot fucking believe that we have given our support be it tacit or otherwise to proxy war being fought by NATO and the US in the in the Ukraine which is going to cost the lives of thousands and thousands of Ukrainians and Russians all working class undoubtedly and after what we've seen in our lifetime we've witnessed with our own eyes Libya Afghanistan Iraq Syria Yemen stuff most of the and all these places are still ongoing. We've witnessed what there are, and more all the coup d'etat we've all witnessed. 
And overnight, everyone's just fallen in, in line with the narrative being presented to us via what? The media, the media channels, these media channels. Because there is no independence anymore. They're not real, which is why people like you get your news from other places. People like me, I get my news from the grey zone and politics, Joe, and uh, a dozen other sources. Because you can't trust the big guys because they've been completely captured. And they have been. They've been completely captured. They're, they're not trustworthy anymore. I cannot remember the last time I watched the BBC News. I did watch it recently, actually. And uh, it was just as an experiment, just to see what it was. And uh, it was blown away. It was blown away. Awful. We've got it here, particularly bad in the north of Ireland, where we have to listen to that fat fuck Nolan, uh, rabble rousing, and um, given platform to to people like Bryson and the like who for whatever fucking reason seem to have these people by the balls I can't figure that one out there you go and this is what happens and this is where we are so listen that's me I want to call this I wanted to get this podcast out because I haven't been very active this past week because I was preparing for this gig yesterday it was kind of a big deal for me that one so Thank you, everybody. Again, thanks, everybody, that came down to the gig. It was absolutely fucking beautiful. I loved it. We'll do it again. Again, get in touch. You want to talk about booking me for something, please do it. Um, solo thing. Again, as always, the Bonnevilles are priority. Always will be. And we've got a lot of gigs coming up. with that gig in Newcastle uh, next weekend. And then we've a Scandinavian tour and all that sort of stuff coming up. We'll get that all announced. Um... Yeah, so like, share, subscribe. If you want to lend me your support, head over to the Patreon. Patreon. There's all that. Where's the socials? There they are on the screen now. Um, yeah, like, share, subscribe. Enjoy, everybody. Have a good week. It's fucking glorious outside. I'm going to Donegal on Wednesday. Yeah, can't wait. I'm going to get fucked up, boy. Bye.